So what is the normal Christian life? It's a life that reflects the life of Christ. That's one definition. In other words, act like Christ. But how do we access the power of God in our daily lives, actions, and thoughts? Well, I'd like to suggest to you today it's by getting drunk. Yeah. Wow, that was an interesting response. <laughs> by getting blasted, blitzed, bombed, boozy, <laughs> buzzed. Oh, we like that one. Some of you like the buzzed, you know. Right? Crocked, fried, gassed, hammered, high, impaired, inebriated, intoxicated, juiced, lit up, loaded, looped, oil, pickled, pie-eyed. Is that a southern term? Plastered, ripped, sloshed, smashed, stewed, stoned, tanked, tiddly. That's British, by the way, tiddly. Oh, he looks a little tiddly today. Tipsy, wasted. And this is just a partial list. Or as we sometimes say, under the influence. Under the influence. Now, folks. Galatians 5, 16 to 21 says this, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Ephesians 5.17-18 says this, Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. So this message is really about drunkenness, but the right kind. The holy kind. Is there a holy kind of drunkenness? Well, it turns out that the scripture teaches us that there is. And it's a non-negotiable. You see, we're supposed to be sloshed all the time. We're supposed to be intoxicated all the time. Now, any message on the filling of the Spirit in my role is like a, a simple drop in the water of an ocean of many, many messages that have been shared before. In fact, this message is inspired by a wonderful man of God and great preacher of the word who is now with the Lord, Dr. Stephen Olford. Some of you might know that name. And uh, he inspired me as I was formulating this message many years ago. But what's most important is that hopefully this drop in the ocean of this subject 
will have a ripple effect. A ripple effect that influences us. A little bit like last week's message, that we are the salt of the earth, and that God wants us to be an influence on others. Well, the influencer, capital I, turns out to be the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this is a well-taught group of believers through the years. So some of what I'm going to share, and I'm going to just move fairly quickly through this, a little bit of a teaching on the Holy Spirit, because we're going to talk a little bit here about who the Spirit is. Who is He? That's key, right? Because the Holy Spirit is a real person, the third person of the Trinity. He's a real person, a third person of the Godhead. You know, there are many believers through the years that somehow have compartmentalized the Holy Spirit as an it, or a non-person, or some kind of uh, non-human or or, or non-personal kind of influence. There's an old great hymn called, Let It Breathe On Me. And of course, what it's saying is, let the breath of God now breathe on me. But a lot of people kind of conflated that with the Holy Spirit, and, and it was the Holy Spirit. But you see, the Spirit of God has an intellect. 1 Corinthians 2, you can check it out. He knows the Father's thoughts. The Spirit has emotions. Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Someone who is not a person cannot be somehow, you know, not grieved. The Spirit has will. 1 Corinthians 12, he determines and disseminates spiritual gifts. These are all the qualities of a person, the third person of the Trinity. But today we're going to talk about the filling of the Spirit specifically. I want to begin by sharing with you what it's not. The filling of the Spirit is not connected to a specific gift. Now, as soon as I say that, I'm treading where angels fear to tread, right? Because one of the great sad divisions in the body of Christ is on this very subject. Unfortunately, it's become a very controversial subject. How sad. I think that grieves the Holy Spirit in and of itself. Some in the body of Christ, dear brothers and sisters, and, I, and this is actually from my far-off heritage uh, in, in, in my far-off past, but my heritage is in a particular denomination that would teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same as the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's also synonymous to the fullness of the Spirit. I no longer believe it, or actually I didn't believe it, uh, because later on in my life, through my father's influence, particularly in our church, I came to understand it differently. But let me just give you a quick comparison of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is never commanded. But the filling of the Spirit is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs only once, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The filling of the Spirit is is supposed to, at least, occur constantly. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a past experience. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a present experience. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is universal. It's for all believers. But the filling of the Spirit is supposed to be universal, but not experienced necessarily, by all believers. Baptist Holy Spirit is union with Christ. The filling of the Spirit could be thought of as communion with Christ. 
Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a positional truth, a judicial fact. The filling of the Spirit is an experiential truth. It is existential. It's supposed to be now and ongoing. So you might be wondering, when is he going to get to this? Well, right now. Why do I have this? I want you to, for a moment, just allow me to get, you know, you know, a little bit of willing suspension of disbelief. You know that term? It's a great term. But let this picture represent the Holy Spirit. Let this picture represent you. When you become a believer in Christ, you become born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, place your trust alone in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in to live within you. And he comes in in his fullness. It's not part of the Holy Spirit that comes to live with you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. This is you. And so, the picture that I want you to see today is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming to dwell within. Isn't it a miracle? I mean, we take it for granted many times that the third person of the Holy Spirit resides in you as a believer. I mean, we could just stop the message right now and just fall on our faces before God and say, Lord, thank you. That's a miracle. I mean, incredible. We're, we're so grateful to you, Lord. But what I want you to see today is that the real picture of the filling of the Spirit is actually an overflow. We're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go, but the baptism, Holy Spirit coming to live within us, the filling of the Spirit is really an overflow. You know the scripture that talks about how rivers of water will flow out of us. Jesus predicted that. And he was predicting, actually, the work of the Holy Spirit when he said that. Now, I want you to think about with me for the moment the word infuse. To infuse means to be permeated with something, such as a principle or a quality, or in this case, a person, capital P, that alters, usually for the better, and of course, when the Holy Spirit is influencing you, it's always for the better, it's for the best, right? So Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Now this little verse, tucked in the end of the epistle of Ephesians, is pregnant with meaning that we don't see because we speak English. So here's where we kind of put in a little Greek to help us understand what this is about. First of all, even just by the rendering of this verse, you would see that, number one, the feeling of the Spirit is a command. It's a command. It's the will of God, right? Do not be foolish, but know what the will of God is. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not an option. But it's also something that you allow to happen. It's something that happens from a source outside of you. You don't make it happen. It's in the imperative tense, which means to be filled, meaning that you have to allow it to happen to you. It's a passive verb. Let yourselves be filled by the Spirit. Allow yourself to be filled by the Spirit. Again, infuse. 
to be permeated with something such as a principle or a quality that alters usually for the better, and in this case, for the best. But the second thing I want you to see about the filling of the Spirit is that it's continuous. If we were to really see it the way it's rendered in the original Greek language, it would be be being filled. Continue to be filled. See, a lot of times we, we see be filled with the Spirit and we think it's, it can look like it's a one-time thing, but the, the, actual, the actual shading of the Greek is be being filled. Be continually filled. It's the present continual tense. Remember, one baptism, justification by faith. Many fillings, sanctification. I know you folks know those terms very well. You've been taught very well. But one baptism, many fillings. That's one of the great ways to summarize the essential work and person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the third thing I want you to see is that it's a conscience, a conscious reality. It's a willful decision. When someone gets drunk with alcohol, and I witnessed it last night at my hotel, there were some folks that got together, they were having a good old time, and as I was walking down the hall to print out the final version of my message, I saw three women, my wife doesn't even know this, but my, there were three women walking down the hallway, two of them were obviously buzzed, but the one in the middle was bombed, you got it? And, 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 and they, were, they were literal, and they were laughing the whole time. They were, it was, they were just giddy laughing. I mean, and they were, they were taking her to the room because she was drunk like a skunk. I said, what an illustration for my message tomorrow. There it is. But the reality is, is that when you're drunk, you're controlled by a substance, right? Substance control? Under the influence? See, but when you're filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I know that? Because the word fulfilled is the word in the original language, pleru, P-L-E-R-O-O. And it means to be imbibed. It means to be controlled. So, it's really spirits versus the spirit, isn't it? You got it? But the fourth thing I want you to see that's so critical in our understanding of the filling of the Spirit and how it applies in our lives, after all, it's a command, right? Is it's conspicuous. It's conspicuous. In other words, it's clearly visible. It stands out very easy to see. So part of that easy to see is that if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, the people around you are not going to see the fruit of the Spirit unless it's spilling over, right? To diffuse means to pour out and permit or cause to spread freely. So there's an infusion of the Holy Spirit, but the result of the filling of the Spirit is diffusion. Now, Yesterday, as a test of the filling of the Spirit in my life, I uh, was traveling around Naples. My wife and I were kind of getting the feel of the land. And uh, I went over to a particular store to find this for my illustration. And, uh, well, the storm had come in. It was raining crazy. I dropped my wallet, and it's gone. Don't worry. 
everything's okay. But my wife will tell you that my initial response to that was not necessarily the feeling of the spirit. I caught my breath and then I got it, and it was a test. In the meantime, I want you to see something. That when, I'm going to make a little bit of that out. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit is controlling us, it becomes conspicuous. And people see a change. You could say that you're born again, but the proof of that is in your character. And ultimately, you could say that the proof of that is the conspicuous results of the filling of the Spirit. And so, suddenly, as the Holy Spirit is filling you, and there are changes going on, people see it. They go, oh, something different about that guy. So, what is the evidence? What is the evidence? What makes you conspicuous? Is it spiritual gifts? Some would say it's one particular spiritual gift. There's, there are a number of denominations in the world today that would say that the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that you speak in tongues or you have an experience where you speak a spiritual language. Some of you sitting here today have the gift of tongues. Some of you aren't even telling anybody that you have the gift of tongues. Just a little side note here. But some of you do not. Some of you never will. The Bible's clear on that. And this is not meant to be a teaching on that. That could come in another context. But the bottom line is that Paul makes it very clear that spiritual gifts or a spiritual gift is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the whole purpose of the Apostle Paul writing what he did to, to, this, to the church of Corinth was that he was correcting misuse of gifts. He was correcting the fact that that church generally was not living with the consequences, the good consequences of the filling of the Spirit. So what is the evidence? Well, the evidence is listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. A list that I'm sure you're all familiar with. You're ready. You probably could repeat it with me right now. It is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the result. That is the evidence. That's the conspicuous group of items that flow through your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As I already told you, when I lost my wallet, as sometimes we like to say as uh, Christians that have been down, I lost my sanctification a little bit there. I think my wife lost her sanctification a little bit too, but less than I did. Because, you know, it's pretty traumatic to lose your wallet. But as time went on and we began to drive and we were searching and we never really did find it, I had to call and cancel the car, the whole thing. You know, I went through the whole thing. Some of you have been there. I took a breath and I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm preaching on the filling of the Spirit tomorrow. I pray for it every day. And, and so here's a, cha a challenge for me. It's not the most important challenge or the most intense challenge in my life, but here it is. So isn't it the way that God works when we are in the Word and we're studying the Word? Somehow he brings a circumstance into our lives to test us. See if we're really obedient. Did we really get it? Are we really applying it? But here's the big question, if you agree with everything that I've even shared so far. How 
is a Christ follower filled with the Spirit? Well, I use the word here, consistent. Constantly yielded. Again, the word filled means to be controlled or imbibed. It's analogous to drunkenness. Pleru. Now, Colossians 2.6 says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Now, there's an insight in that scripture about the filling of the Spirit. Think about it. It makes sense, doesn't it? How you've received Christ is how you follow him in any dimension of spiritual walk. And I'm making the application today to the filling of the Spirit. Because Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So when, think about how what I'm sharing with you now relates to what happened. If you're born again here today, sitting here, or you're listening to this and you're born again, you had to walk through these steps. It turns out that the steps that I'm sharing about how you became born again are very similar, if not intensely analogous to what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You realize your need. You can't earn it or deserve it, just like you can't earn or deserve salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You, don't, you can't earn or deserve the filling of the Spirit. You repent of autonomy. You're not a law to yourself. You can't become a believer in Christ unless you realize that really the, the real serious problem is that you've been the God of your life. Not even the, necessarily the sins. It's the sin of being the God of your life. You're a law unto yourselves until you surrender to Christ, believe in his finished sacrifice on the cross. We sang about it. Worthy is the Lamb. And you submit to his lordship. So you repent of autonomy and you, and you put Jesus, so to speak, if I can put it this way, you place him as lord. You stop trying to live apart from God's control. And then you may have to confess specific sins. First John 1.9 says, as you know, that if we confess our sins, he is able and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you're responding to the Spirit's prompting about stuff that's not good. It's in the way of God's intention for you. And then you, you can pre- present yourself to God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You surrender again to his control. You place yourself up on that altar and you place yourself as a living sacrifice. You know, one of our problems is that we have a tendency to initially put Jesus on the throne, and then all of a sudden, we're back on the throne. We have a compartmentalized idea, like, well, Lord, I want you to be Lord over here, and in most of my life, maybe even 99.3%, but that last 0.7, Lord, I, you know, I, I think I know better. I have your wisdom from the scripture. I'm okay on this. The old saying is, and actually this came from Stephen Alter, Alford, the old saying is that... <laughs> If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And lordship ties directly into the filling of the Spirit. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit's filling every day? Well, just like you had to pray in faith to become a believer in that moment, many of you are thinking back, when was the moment of your spiritual birthday? For me, it was 1969 Thanksgiving service in my church. I was six years old. Just went, you know, that tradition went forward, 
surrendered my life to six years old. Best I knew, I had, I had not killed anybody. I had not committed any heinous crimes, you know, at that point. But I knew that if I had died at that moment, I, like anyone else, without Christ in my life, would end up separated from the Lord forever. So how do you do it? Well, you know, this may sound simple to you, but it's as simple as asking in faith through prayer. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Remember we said, do not be foolish, but know what the will of God is. You're asking according to his will. It can't be clearer than that. There are only a few spots in the New Testament where the will of God is specified. One of them is 1 Thessalonians 4.15. It's the will of God. Abstain from immorality. But here's one of those statements. It's very clear. It connects. And if we know, 1 John 5.15 says, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So the result is the character of Christ continually being formed in us. The fruit of the Spirit becomes obvious. I don't know if orange is your favorite color. I might have picked another color. There's many different colors. It comes out looking different. A palette of many colors, right? Same Holy Spirit. But the character of Christ is formed. That whole list that we've talked about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it's a basket of fruit that shows up to those that are closest to us and those that we come in contact with. It's part of how God has us be salty in the world. So infusion, diffusion, it's based on the fact of God's word. It's appropriated by faith in his promise. And then the feelings and experiences come in the flow of proper balance. So the feeling of the spirit, it's commanded. It's continuous. Be being filled. It's a conscious decision to surrender. It's conspicuous. It results in the fruit of the Spirit. It's consistent. It's, to be, it's, a, it's a state of being constantly yielded to the Holy Spirit. In a word, drunk. So the question is, are you infused? If you are, are you diffusing? See, if you're not a Christ follower here today, and I, I, I never assume in any gathering of human beings that everyone is a believer. You, you might be here and you may have heard, maybe it's, you have it mentally assented, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I don't know, that, it could be that everybody here is born again, but oftentimes in a gathering this large is someone that has not yet come to know Christ as Savior and is born again. So if you're not a Christ follower, if you're not born again, it's time to get infused. You need the Holy Spirit to come inside of you through faith in Christ. You need to be invaded by the Holy Spirit. Almighty God. You see, divine infusion is this. The Father causes the believer to be permeated with someone, not a it, a someone, capital S, it turns out, the Holy Spirit, that alters us for the best. Now, if you're a Christ follower and you're born again, it's time to diffuse. Every waking moment of every day, this is the will of God for us, period. And so divine uh, I'm sorry, divine diffusion would be de- defined as this. That was tough to say. Divine diffusion would be defined as this. The fruit of the Holy Spirit's control results in the pouring out. And this fruit spreads freely on the bread of people's lives around us. In other words, the evidence of the Spirit's fruit in our lives, while blessing us, to say the least, is really designed to bless others. When you look at that list, it's mostly about 
how we respond and how we bless others around us. So how many of you today will join me today? How many of you will join me today in making a fresh commitment to be filled with the Spirit every second of our lives? How many of you will? Oh, I got a few raised hands there. I got, wow. I know you, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to have anybody see around you. But, but, and there's not going to be an altar call, though I'm, you know, I am kind of an altar call kind of guy at times. Uh, but I will tell you this. This is the will of God for us. We need to be drunk with the Spirit in such a way that the people around us see it, not just believers that we hang out with, especially those that are not believers, so they get provoked to jealousy about their need for a Savior.